Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your hand. Let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work For Him Zone. I hope you're never the same. Today on the I Work For Him show, we're talking about reflecting the Lordship of Christ as you teach others to be generous and really the way this whole week has been going. We've been talking all week long about God, your wallet, and your corporate finances. And as I was introduced to our guest today, we've got Jim Morgan with Meet the Need in the studio today. As I was introduced to Jim, one of the things I was trying to say, okay, Jim, I want to know how you run your finances as a non-profit but as I got talking to John or you got talking to Jim on the phone sorry as I got talking to Jim on the phone about your non-profit ministry all of a sudden Jim I realized that wow we really need to talk about the generosity and how you teach others to be generous so Jim Morgan welcome to the I work for him show great to be here Jim I'm glad I'm glad you're here. Jim called me about an hour ago said I'm losing my voice are you sure you still want me to come I'm like Yes, I absolutely want you to come. I have no idea what I would have talked about for a whole hour today. All right, so Jim, as a basis for our conversation, I always make sure our our listeners know that I'm bringing in Christ followers who don't necessarily have it all figured out, but they're Christ followers. They're people that have committed their lives to Christ. Their lives have been impacted by Christ. Tell us how Christ impacted your life. You know, I really, I think I chased the world very hard uh, in terms of all the things you're supposed to do. Uh, work-wise and getting ahead and, and trying to make money and be a success. And I got to where I think you're supposed to be. The world says you're supposed to be career-wise. And I kind of realized at that point that the world didn't offer contentment and it didn't offer joy. 
And so I started having second thoughts about kind of where I was and where I was heading and and got my I've been a Christian since, since 16 years old, but spent too much of my time in my 20s, like I said, chasing those kinds of things. And then realized in my early 30s that I really wasn't living a life for God and just for myself. And what it had gotten me was disillusionment and being kind of lost and not knowing where to, where to turn. And, uh, but I did know where to turn and eventually kind of woke up one day and said, uh, this is not where God wants me to be. And I need to change who I am and how I am. And just, I went through a couple of years of prayer, just, just looking for uh, a different heart. Not one about me, but about him. Hmm. And, and so you, you said you had traveled all over the place. You were a consultant, so you were all over, were you all over the country, all over the world with your consulting business before you changed directions. Well, the country mostly, yeah, all over the country. It's a, it's a five days a week tra- travel job, and did that. Those for about are 10 fun years. for like about a week. <clears throat> it was a little more fun before nine eleven. And uh, the travel, travel, travel that really changed has changed an awful lot. People don't even remember how easy it used to be to fly. I mean, it really, those guys really screwed up all of our flying. But I understand it's good. We've stopped, we've stopped all the more disasters, but wow, it was a lot easier to fly. You said something right there in your intro that, you know, you had everything the world had to offer, but the world doesn't offer contentment. Why do you think that is? Hmm. You know, it, it's, I'm not sure I can answer that exactly. I'll tell you this, though. You look at, you look around at the great athletes, the great actors. When you reach the pinnacle of where the world says you should be, it's amazing how many of them get disillusioned the same way. And they turn to affairs, they turn to drugs, they turn to alcohol, something, escapism, trying to find uh, what they thought they were going to find at the top of that mountain. And what's amazing is you see a lot of the of us, you know, the, the people who aren't there yet, Aspiring, We worship celebrities in America. We're very guilty of that. And we see a lot of people trying to be like them, not realizing that once they get there, they're not that happy. No, and that, it'll, you know, they, they, they keep chasing, 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 but the empty hole just gets bigger. Yeah, the God-shaped hole. Yeah. Exactly. But but they somehow have a way of making it even bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, it's, it's interesting you say that because that was, I, I didn't, I, my life verse is now Philippians four eleven through thirteen, which is Paul saying to the to the Philippians, "I've learned to be content." And I didn't ever even know that contentment that was something we had to learn until I'd gone through Crown Ministries in nineteen ninety nine. That was something that changed. It changed. It was it was one of the final monster impacts that Christ made in my life when I started learning about money and possessions from God's perspective and the learning of contentment. And and it is it's true that it was like five years later is when I read the book Halftime and realized. Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and run businesses all my life. I want, I want to do whatever you want me to do, Lord. I'm tired of chasing success. I want to make significance. I'd rather make an average wage or a below average wage for what I am capable of and have contentment in my life and be in a life of significance than to waste my time chasing big money and leaving my family, my wife, behind all the time. So obviously you learned the same lesson. Well, you know, once God, I think, puts a call in your life and you realize that he wants you to do something, you know, for him and not just for yourself, you know, it's uh, it, it really makes you, you know, rethink those priorities. And what's what's important at that point is not getting more. You can keep chasing more. But how do you stand before him one day and say that I needed to have a little nicer house, a little nicer car, and then I could have stopped and done that ministry thing? 
or, or taking time out to go serve that person, that family, or, or do whatever it is. But you can't, you can't justify. If you picture yourself before God, which I do a lot, <laughs> you really can't justify needing to have a little bit more. You know, there's a point where you have enough. Well, they, I mean, that's, that's, there is a point where you have enough, but most people will say, how much, do you, how much more do you need? Oh, just a little bit more. If a little bit more broad contentment, Warren Buffett would have retired a long time ago. Bill Gates wouldn't go to the office. I mean, those guys, they're worth, you know, $150 billion combined between two of them, and they still work. Warren Buffett's in his 80s. He's not content. How ridiculous is that? And we think maybe if we have a hundred and fifty thousand dollar year job, we'll be content. Or two hundred and fifty, or if we live in a million dollar house, we'll be content. It's ridiculous. It never ever built. And some people, I think, get trapped in fixed expenses too. I've had guys come to me to say, Jim, and these are these are kind of high profile, high level, you know, professionals saying, Jim, I'm ready to give it all up and come work in ministry. Come work for me at the need. I'm ready to go do this. But I have this big nut I've got to take care of. I've got the house. I've got the cars. If you can just get me $150,000, then I'll quit it all. I'll leave it all behind and come do ministry work. <laughs> and you're like, and I'm like yeah, ministry work doesn't pay one hundred fifty grand. <laughs> well, it's just, it's just, I think, the mindset, too. You know, are you really there in terms of sacrifice, in terms of giving something up, if you're requiring this kind of a, you know, but I think they have to, they need that, though. They've got those bills to pay. If you, the more you stick yourself in fixed costs and debt, like Dave Ramsey so just talked about, you know, the, the less inclined you are, the less capable you are of stepping in to do something really big for God. Right. And that's where the contentment thing really comes in. When you're content, you can be content to live in a $250,000 house or a $150,000 house and drive used cars with 210,000 miles on it. It doesn't bother you because you're not trying to impress anybody. And uh, it allows you to lead a whole, lot, a whole different life than you would if... Uh, I mean, gosh, I can't imagine having the kind of house payments some people have. You know, there's a baseball player building a small little mansion on Bel Air Beach. It's like 17,000 square feet. His ongoing monthly payment, just for taxes and insurance, I figured it out, is about, gosh, I thought it was like $20,000 a month for taxes and insurance. <laughs> like, right. wow, that's that's <laughs> nice. Uh, and, and he, for some reason, forgets that he's not going to be making that forever. We're going to highlight a book brought to you by Karis Christian Books and Gift. The book I'm highlighting today is an old one, but a good one. Your Money Counts by Howard Dayton. Honestly, instead of reading my summary that I always read, let me just tell you, I read this book in 1999. So yes, it's older. My The one I have, the pages are yellow. But in, in this book, it broke out basically a summarization of the biblical principles of finance. It gives you God's perspective on how you should handle money and possessions. What we have to realize is that the Bible talks about money and possessions. There's 2,350 verses about money and possessions. Jesus talked more about money and possessions than about love and faith because they knew our Heavenly Father and His Son, they knew that money and possessions would be the one thing that would cause us to have a separation in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And it becomes a God to us. And it's because of what we've been talking about, Jim, the lack of contentment. So I recommend you get this book, there's a later copy out, so the pages won't be yelled, yellowed, but get a copy of this book, Your Money Counts by Howard Dayton, and listen, you got to read this book, don't wait for the movie.
All right, we're back live and in studio with Jim Morgan with Meet the Need. Uh, Jim and I have been talking about contentment, and uh, we're, we're going to get into his business background. Jim, why don't you just talk a little bit about your business background and then talk about how God intersected your life and, and changed your the road that you were on. The, the business, I guess, background I had uh, was uh, first went out of college, went to uh, Wall Street. The thing was back in the 80s, the late 80s, it was kind of the, the me generation, the uh, greed is good. That movie Wall Street came out and all this, all these um, up-and-comers were trying to get these jobs on Wall Street to work with the big, big investment banks. And I, I got one of those opportunities to go work at Merrill Lynch and uh, then got recruited to go to um, Capitol Hill, work at the House Banking Committee to regulate Wall Street for a couple of years. Kind of interesting to do both sides. Then went to um, University of Chicago Business School. It's actually now, it's, it wasn't then, but it's now the number one business school in the country, in the world actually. And uh, Great opportunity there. And then went to 10 years of consulting. But, but you know, that's, that's the kind of road that I was talking about before, being on the fast track you're supposed to be on. And then, you know, really as I got discontent, you know, disillusioned with what the people ahead of me, what they were, you know, what they were doing and how they were living and not wanting to be on that same track. And that time of prayer I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. So one day on a car drive, I'm, I'd left the big five consulting firms, gone to a dot-com consulting firm. The, the bubble soon burst, you know, on that later on. But at the time, I mean, this car on this car drive, and I'm asking... Where were you me, driving? What highway? I love highways. I'm uh, going from uh, Jacksonville back to Atlanta. Oh, so I used to no. live in Atlanta. That's not too, that's not, that's pretty between ninety five when you're cutting across to seventy five. It's pretty in there. <laughs> so I'm, I, I'm thinking about how do you if I'm praying about how to serve the Lord and do more with my life than just be a consultant and try to get rich, then this internet thing is getting big. This is like in two thousand. So the internet is getting really you know popular, big. We're all working on ideas, try to get rich using the internet. But as opposed to that, how do we use the internet to do good? Is there a way to turn this thing around and, and use the internet, use the web for something that's really positive? And the thought, God put this idea in my head during the car drive that if you can shop online for what you want to buy, why can't you shop for somebody who needs what you want to give away or what you can do? Say that again a little slower because even I got a little lost on that. So okay. if you can shop online for what you want to buy. Right. Can you shop online for someone who needs something you have? Or a, a skill, a thing, uh, resources, food, clothes, whatever it is, can you flip the model? And versus shopping to, you know, or, sh- or going online to buy something, to acquire something, can you go online to give something away? Mm. And so that got me to pull over the next exit and got in the passenger side because you shouldn't write <laughs> or text public service announcement uh, while you're driving. So I, in the p- passenger side, the next four hours to Atlanta. I wrote this business plan. The Lord is just pouring into me these ideas for how you can use the Internet to turn it around and actually find and, and match people who have things to give away or skills to give with those who have needs. And so that's where Meet the Need was, was born, in the, in the passenger side of your car. In its infancy, a long, long time ago, in a land far away, yes. Jacksonville's not really that far. <laughs> I understand where you're going with that, but you didn't quite have the uh, you know Star Wars. Uh, you know, you didn't, the scrolling words weren't coming down. Okay, so t- you, you God puts this idea in your head. How did it go from an idea to where you're at today? I mean, how did it? How did you get to that point where you said, "Yep, I'm going to jump off the cliff, and I'm going to do this"? 
like like all ideas i think that are somewhat new it's it's trial and error and there was a lot of trial there's a lot of error early on too but our first concept was okay let's make it real simple if we go to um, mobile home parks let's say lower income neighborhoods and let's put out flyers saying if you have needs if you need help call this number and then let's use the internet to put these needs we're hearing about through our call center in front of the uh, the members of five or six churches and let's just see what happens very simple, very simplistic. We've come a long way since sure. World War One, O Two of doing that kind of thing. But it was shocking what happened. It was out of that you had relationships forming. You had that one-time need that's being met. That person has what that family needs. They go deliver it to that family. The family that's getting the help won't let the family who's bringing it over leave because they want to know why in the world they're taking time out of a Saturday to come provide them at no charge, at no benefit to them that this help this assistance it didn't make any sense and 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 i did it myself some and and saw relationships form and it wasn't just like a one-time one-shot deal because these families needed more help too. you get to know them their stories and you get you get invested so that that's you started it that way and you move now to where you are today how does meet the need work today because you really teach generosity within church communities today well, we learned, we learned a lot from that first experience. We learned mainly that by starting off, when you, when you throw something against the wall, you have an idea, you toss it against the wall, you see what sticks. Well, and people get interested because they hear that somebody's working on a concept to connect the needs with those who can help. It just so happens that you know, the church was the food bank. It was the homeless shelter for 1,900 years. The church knew very well what the needs were because the church played a major role in meeting those needs. And you can argue about how it happened, when it happened, did the church abdicate, did the government usurp, or whatever happened. It's one or the other. Who knows? It's probably both. A little bit of both, maybe. But something happened that the church's role changed somewhat, and the church became less involved. We're talking about the church in the United States, because I think the church worldwide hasn't changed as much as the church in the United States. That's quite possible, yeah. And we're mostly focused on the U.S., right, than it is right now. But if, if that existed where that transition existed that happened where the church became less involved less knowledgeable about what the needs are in the community then who's going to reconnect the dots and so the interest began to kind of form around meet the need it was called god will back then but okay there's bigger issues jim in the city can you help us solve things like these local charities can't show their volunteer needs to local churches and the pastors can't possibly filter out the needs in the community put those in front of our members connect them to the opportunities, make sure it got done. So there's issues like that. There's you know drives and, and benevolence happening where the same family walks to five different churches asking for help, and no one knows who's already helped that family. There's no coordination across the city around you know, being smart about generosity. So there's a lot of issues that kind of started to crop up. And so we began hmm. to become a software company, really? <laughs> ministry, giving all this stuff away, but, but ended up spending millions building all this software that can help to solve these bigger issues and now we're in cities across the nation so you built a software package that coordinated people entering needs and hooking it up with people who can meet the needs basically and you get churches when we come back from our break at the bottom of the hour i want to talk about how you get churches to participate in this but really what kind of an atmosphere are you trying to create you're uh, is it that you're trying to create are you trying to teach generosity or are you trying to teach 
connectedness to community for the churches? What is it that your overall goal is? To, what are you trying to do? The overall goal, one way I think about this, is that meet the need is the water. You know, we provide, you know, if we can get the church to to think external focus, to think about the community, to think about how it can be more impactful in the community, then we give the church the opportunity to do so more effectively. If these bottlenecks are existent, where the pastors and staff can't survey the community, figure out the needs, put it in front of members, all that kind of thing, then we've got to overcome those bottlenecks somehow. Even if the church wants to do more in the community, if we don't have, they don't have means to do so, to enable them to do more, then it's not going to happen. Well, and I think that's, you know, when I look at the business community, one of the Christian business community, one of the things that's a heart and passion of mine is that there are tons of organizations ministry organizations that desperately need what business people have to offer. You know, business people are equipped with uh, management expertise, finance expertise, administration expertise, organizational expertise, where missionary organizations are mission and and church organizations are typically gifted in teaching evangelism and discipleship. And so, and, but the problem is a lot of those organizations don't recognize that they have a need for business people help. And the business people don't realize, hey, I can use my practical everyday today skills to help churches or and mission organizations. And that's part of the I work for him models that once a Christian business owner recognizes that their workplace is their mission field and they start to recognize that the that their business is a gift, that as they start to give towards mission organizations and, and kingdom impactful ministries, that they follow that with their practical skills and invest those that are needed. So it's what you're doing is something that's been a passion of mine on the business side because there's a coordination that needs to be done there because there are kingdom impactful ministries all over the country that desperately need the skills that Christian business people have that they take advantage of every day. And, and Jim shared something right at the beginning. Jim Morgan with Meet the Need shared something at the beginning that, that as he was chasing in his business life, he realized that business, the, that the world doesn't offer contentment as a solution. And so we've gone down on the contentment. That led us into where Meet the Need came uh, really came about as Jim was traveling from Jacksonville to Atlanta and, and he got pulled the car over, got in the, in the right-hand seat and didn't drive. I'm assuming somebody else was in that car driving then those next four hours because you said you got in the right-hand seat and you rode the next four hours when you never said somebody else was driving. That would be correct. Okay, all right. Just try. You never did say that. But as you did that, God revealed to you that, hey, there are people out there who have needs and there are people that are out there who can meet those needs and God said, you need to provide a way for those people to connect. That's correct. Exactly. And that's where the beginnings of Meet the Need came from. And so really Meet the Need changes or, or, or challenges, equips, and makes it possible for, for the church of Christ to be generous within their community. And so that's where we're going to go. Right before the break, Jim, I was saying, you know, there's all of these talents that lie within the Christian business community. You know, Christian employees, Christian business owners, they've got all of these talents and there's all of these needs within the kingdom impactful ministries, ministries that are really making an an impact for Christ. They have a desperate need for people with business skills, even as volunteers. And the business people have a desperate need for all of the teaching evangelism and discipleship skills that the ministries can provide and to connect them up so that they can work synergistically. I love that word. They can work (laughs) synergistically. Uh, Then that, that's another way. So I started saying that, and you wanted to say something, and I cut you off because we were out of time. What were you going to say? You know, I think businesses and churches alike, 
fall into a bit of a trap. And that traps around being transactional in how they reach out to the community. And, and not when I say transactional, I mean not relational. Well, just give an example. That makes more sense. Okay. So uh, the big event, when the church, the charity, or the church, the business runs a big event to reach out to the community, yet in the, it's a holiday season, that happens. In January and February, folks are still hungry. They're still hurting. But where's the business there? Where's the church there? You know, then... They, yeah, we give away turkey dinners at Thanksgiving. Right. We give away ham dinners at Christmas because people feel good about giving stuff away during the Christmas and Thanksgiving season, but those people are still hungry in January is what you're saying. Exactly. Okay. The application of those skills that exist in the pews of churches and in the cubicles of businesses could be you know, better, better utilized, better applied if we knew what the opportunities were and could put those opportunities in front of those people. So that's really an issue, I think, of, of how you get from transactional to more year-round relational assistance is that constant flow of the new opportunities that are out there. They're very real. So you're talking about, I'm going to stop, stop it because we're talking about a lot of big concepts. You're talking about taking it from being transactional to relational. Correct. Okay. So really, I just put it in small words that I can, you know, small two-syllable words that I can understand. Really, you're, you're talking about instead of the church doing works, you're talking about the church investing in people. Exactly. You're making, creating relationships, finding out what those needs are, and allowing the church to do what the church was originally designed to do. That's exactly and right. And that's what Meet the Need helps facilitate within the church community. Right, and the, and the model is not a new one. It's it's really Jesus's model. We talked <laughs> I was say, before, I agree. before we started. Yeah, you know, we. It it sounds, you know, funny to say this, but the real model here's the Messiah. Here's Christ, the perfect words. You know, he could he could, you know, share the gospel, in, in using the perfect words. Yet he almost always, before he said who he was, the gospel, healed, fed, you know, cared for those. The woman at the well. He still wanted to get to know who she was and then he said who he was right so we ought to live accordingly and 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 people you know as we always say people don't care what you know until they know you care we'll say that again people don't care what you know until they they know know that you care and so it's a very simple principle very simple concept but we want to live that out in how we share the gospel as a church as christians and live accordingly and I think it's it's awesome that you that you point out the fact that our Savior was very good at this, you know. In the and now I understand two thousand years ago they didn't have the internet, but they had the midwives in the local community, and those midwives were probably the ones that were always keeping everybody to know. Hey, did you know these people need this name because they were the ones that are always moving around the community. I don't know. I always try to figure out who would have been the one that would have kept track of that stuff, but it was probably the women in the community that kept track of it because they were all getting together to do stuff, you know. So, but. Jesus, you, you're right on the money in that Jesus touched people before he told people. And that's really what you're saying. People need to know that you care before they know what you know. What did you say again? Sorry. I, 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 my, my brain started to implode. They need, before they need to know that you, no, they need to know that you care. Before, why don't you just say it again? <laughs> um, people, uh, yeah, no, now I, you got me confused now, too. You know what I, you know what I mean? No, I, I, well, I just want to make sure that the audience knows what you mean. They need to know that you care before they find out that you care. Okay, you, when you figure it out, you, you say it. Just blurt it out. We'll get it out. I'll write it down so I don't forget it. When So Meet the Need starts working with the local church community. So what's that look like? So we don't look like Meet the Need. We look like that church. We look like that business. So that 
that business website, that church's website, now shows real-time, as it happens, live needs in the community at different charities. Or it could be for families, it could be events coming up, but it shows this kind of shopping cart, this kind of Amazon.com type experience to the members of that church and that business, what those needs are. And so next Saturday, when your small group meets and talks about needing to do something in the community to make a difference, you can now go to the church's website and find the opportunities that fit you. Here's our skill sets. Here's our time frames. Here's the opportunities that fit that. Come back to your small group. Present those to your small group. And, and now you have a place to go serve. Whereas today, it's really just some, if someone in the group's sister has a cousin who, has, who knows of ministry that needs help that day, and you stumble on something, it doesn't work that well. So more but doesn't that end up being transactional? You're talking about transactional versus relational. You know, to to me, that's like okay, we're going to have a work day and we're going to go look at the list of things we can accomplish. That's that's like me. I write a list of things I need to do and I cross them out. How do you keep that from being transactional versus relational? I mean, excuse me, keep it from being transactional so that it is relational. How do you how do you get it? How do you turn that corner? Well, the key is the constant supply year of needs opportunities year round. If you only have that one opportunity that you can find because you finally stumble on that opportunity and you go out and serve and then you go, you kind of check the box for now. And churches can be guilty of that, too, where we've done our big event and our our businesses can, too. We've, We've done a big event. It was great. You know, it was hard to organize. We're all tired from that big event we did to, to reach out to the to community. We've checked the box. Now let's take a break. Let's take a breather. But the hungry and the, and the homeless aren't taking a breather. They're still, they're still in trouble. So the relational aspect mm-hmm. comes in when you've got this constant flow of needs right in front of your people year-round that they can get involved with January, February. We have event systems. We have volunteer systems. And the event system, though, segues into the volunteer year-round. Don't just do the event and stop. There's more. Hmm. I, I I love that idea that it's keeping people connected to their community all the time. I mean, and, and it's – so are you successful in doing this within large communities or small communities? I mean, if the church is in the middle of a small community, I can see how this would work great in a small community. But when you're in a in a place like Pinellas County, where we are here, there's a million people that live in our county, and you're in Hillsborough County, I think, where your business – where Meet the Need is, you're – there's a million and a half people in that county. How do you narrow it down so that the needs that are being met are in the in the areas right around the uh, church? It's all just kind of zip code, you know, radius base. So in a certain radius of your zip code, so you're in three three five five six, let's say, within ten miles of that, and your church is located there, you can be showing the needs around that local area. But like, take Dallas for example. Where Dallas is really about eight cities. I don't want Dallas. It's hotter there than it is here, and it's ridiculously hot here today. Sorry, sorry, but it is. You're right. So it's it's really eight cities, nine cities in one. It's Dallas. It sounds big, but it's really Arlington and Fort Worth and and Denton and places like that. We have pockets of churches and charities in all those different areas that we work with that are showing the needs at those local charities, and the churches are really going to the charities and saying, look. You're sending us emails and phone calls and newsletters asking for help. We can't process that. We want you to use Meet the Need from now on. It provides an instant way for your charity to share your needs with our members. 
Now, is there a way to turn this, and we'll have to talk about this after the break, is there a way to turn this so that business people who want their people, Christian business people who want their people to be investing their talents, is there a way for them to get involved too, or does it all go through church? Jim, I appreciate you being on the show. I know the conversation's gone a little bit differently than what you thought, but I love the fact that Meet the Need, you know, we've been talking all week long about God, your wallet, and your corporate finances, and, and really, your business is the opposite kind of a business, because you're not, we're not talking about, hey, how can I look at your financials and see how Christ is reflected in those? I can look at your corporate structure and see how Christ is reflected in everything that you guys do. I mean, it, you guys have set it up to model Christ's model on earth. It, it really is, and I think it's, when you think about money, that that aspect, you know, we, I was all about that for so long and you know you look at, at what we do now and bu- spending millions to build all the software and then giving it away for nothing it even even looks like the church's website and the business's website it's not even meet the need the, so we we not only give it away we make it look like them because the face of christ our community is that local church it's the local it's not meet the need it doesn't matter in, in poughkeepsie that meet the need cares about the poor it matters that that local church cares about those in need. And so, you know, I think in, our, in how we reflect Jesus ourselves, we try to, obviously, how we do that is to offer this free gift, to invest very heavily, <laughs> and then make this, you get this, you know, this free gift of all this software that helps churches and, and Christians and businesses act more like Christ and how they are generous. So give me some examples of churches that have put this in place. Give me an example of one, if, if you can, of, in Tampa, of a church that's that's hooked up with Meet the Need. They've incorporated their software on their website. I'm sure that's much more complicated than that. And they've started putting Meet the Need into action, this generous giving within a community. What kind of success are they having? How does it look? What kind of impact is it having on their community? Well, church like uh, Van Dyke Church. Okay. It's uh, where I go to church, actually. It's our home, my home church. And it's it's probably one of the most generous churches in many ways, you know, financially, time, talents, and treasures. And if you asked a lot of local charities, you know, who are the most generous, compassionate, caring churches around town, many would say, I think, Van Dyke Church. But it's hard to be as generous as they want to be and as they are without some way to manage all the opportunities among their 25 or 30 ministry partners, something like that. They got to find a way to put those opportunities in front of their 2,000, 3,000, whatever it is now, members or attendees. So we're kind of that conduit, you know, private label, looks like them, conduit between all their partnerships and all these members who have who, who can serve. And then, of course, we do things like the Toys for Tots drives and the backpack drives and food drives. Most of those run through our systems. And, you know, schools are putting families in these to our, through our system to make sure that they're not also booking the same family or somebody else already hasn't done so into a different distribution site as they're booking them. So you've got one master mm-hmm. database for an area and then you filter it by zip code so to make sure make sure that the need is going to the church that's hooked up with you. I mean, it's not, I mean, I, you know, if I'm going to First Baptist Indian Rocks and we get them to sign up with Meet the Need, they're not going to get a need that Van Dyke could meet. Correct, unless they choose to expand their radius to include an overlap with Van Dyke. They could. They could make it a a wider radius, but they can control that radius. They can also control which partners they want to connect with and don't. They may say, we work with this food bank and not that one, this shelter, not that one. They can box out or exclude or not show opportunities at at 
ministries that they don't work with. So what kind of impact are you seeing on the community from this kind of generosity? You know, Tampa, because we were founded here, and it's our first kind of beta launch location back in 2008. I mean, Tampa is probably one of the most connected and collaborative communities in the nation in terms of the members of our churches and businesses understand what the opportunities are to serve in our community. You've had guests on this week. I know some of them actually, and they're very involved uh, even with you know fellow CEOs and, and fellow executives around town. And there's a lot of connections and networking that takes place. Some of that is online, some of that's offline, but Tampa's you know, a very, very connected, united body of Christ, much more so than many communities out there. I don't think I'm asking the question where I want to get the answer. I really want to find out, okay, if Van Dyke Church has started, they hooked up with Meet the Need to be able to start meeting the needs in their community, what kind of impact do they see for Christ and people getting involved in their church or in people coming to Christ as a result of them being Christ in the community by meeting those needs? What kind of, what? how are the churches telling you, hey, this has helped us do this? So, so Van, let's take Van Dyke again. Okay. Let's go back to that example. So at Van Dyke, um, we when the tithe, the, the tithe call comes, and the pastor's going to ask for, for the people to give, there's clapping. We clap. We clap because the pastor has just finished explaining how the dollars are being used. And a large part of the dollars are being used is to start ministries, bless local ministries, you know, we're so engaged in the community, the culture of our church has changed. And this is many churches across the country that, that use Meet the Need that can do more with less. You know, small staff, but they can do a lot because our tools help them engage more people to serve. And the culture does shift. As you become more and more externally focused, more caring, compassionate church, the church becomes less absorbed in what it's trying to, to do in terms of, you know, running the perfect church service or, you know, change processes to work better and all this internal focus that can actually hurt in terms of the the culture you want a caring compassionate christ imitating culture and membership in your church and and the tools we have help that church reflect christ and and it's just you got to feel you got to walk on campus like at van dyke and just see the the people who come there who have been helped and come there because they've been helped or the number of handicapped people there, or grieving children, grieving children ministries there, and it's just amazing the impact the church is having. Hmm. In the community. At, and that's what I wanted. To hear. I wanted people to hear that. Okay, I mean, we all know we need to be more generous. We all know we've been given so much by our heavenly Father that it's stuff that we need to share. But a lot of times we find ourselves going, "Okay, I'm willing to give, but I don't know where to even start." And that's what Meet the Need helps do. It helps connect up those who can meet the need with those who have a need. So how does a church get started with Meet the Need? The starting point is is our website. It's got, we're an online service. Which is meettheneed.org. Meettheneed.org, right. Meettheneed.org. So there, because we're an online service, you can access, a church or charity can come online, get access to all of our tools we offer, and really what it amounts to is every system a church or charity will ever need to do all of its charitable work. There's nothing a church can think of or charity can think of that it wants to do around helping those in need that we don't have systems for. And they all, look again, look like that church or that charity. So to get access to those, those systems, though, there's a Get Started button. It's the big orange button, as we affectionately call it. <laughs> Click the big orange button, and you go through the registration process, the sign-up process, 
and, uh, and get underway. Hmm. Well, I want to thank you for the discussion we had today, because it really, when you look at the community, you know, Tampa Bay's four and a half million people, and that seems overwhelming to meet the needs of four and a half million people. When you break it down into community groups, when you break it down into the communities surrounding our churches, that makes it a whole lot easier. How many churches are there in Tampa Bay anyway? Do you have any idea? I don't. That's a good there, question. There's got to be, I don't know, it's got to be 10,000, it seems like. There's a lot of churches. Maybe it's not that many, but, you know, there's a lot of people. All right. That's fantastic. So meettheneed.org. Just challenge your pastor, your administrative pastor, to check out meettheneed.org. If you've got people in your community or in your church community that have the ability to meet the needs of others and you want to coordinate that, you got to let Meet the Need help you out. All right. Do you dream of getting away with your sweetheart and spending some romantic time together? Escape from the business of life and take a detour from your routine schedule. Let us do the planning and you just pack your bags. February 5th through the 9th, 2015 will be a treat for you and your spouse. Strengthen your marriage through undistracted time together, group teaching, purposeful discussions, great food, and an optional excursions in Cozumel. If this sounds like a dream come true, then plan now to join Martha and I for our second annual Cruise Your Way to a Better Marriage Retreat, sponsored by I work for him. Find out all the details on our website, iworkforhim.com. That's iworkforhim.com. Next week on the on all of our shows, we're talking about accountability. And on Monday's show, we've got Kelly Talamo, who's a professional speaker, author, and a trained counselor. And we're going to be talking about the critical value of personal accountability. Don't miss that discussion. Guaranteed to be fast moving on Monday with Kelly Talamo. The I Work For Him show is all about purposefully equipping vibrantly effective Christ followers in the workplace. So you have to ask yourself, are you a Christ follower? Have you ever come to a place in your life where you've allowed Jesus Christ to become the Lord and Savior of your life? This is the first step in the I Work For Him process. If you want to know more about becoming a Christ follower, just pop me an email, jim at iworkforhim.com, jim at iworkforhim.com. You're listening to the I Work For Him show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower who owns my own business, but ultimately, I work for him.